Hey, it's Tony from Adafruit, and this is a quick look at something pretty interesting that I learned about recently. So this is about Tor hidden services, which are things that use Tor or the Onion Router, which is kind of that secure internet next to the internet in some ways. Um, I don't really know a lot about it, but it's kind of a good way to keep your web traffic anonymous uh, and untracked by like governments or entities or anyone really. Uh, so interesting technology. But Tor hidden services are kind of a cool thing that I just kind of got turned on to recently. So I was out at the Hackers on Planet Earth conference last week in uh, New York, and Marty, one of the developers at Adafruit, uh, was telling me about this, how it's a really neat little technology where they're trying to show different uses for Tor. So it's not just the dark web that you read about in the newspaper of, you know, whatever Silk Road of uh, whatever goods you want to buy, you can find them there. Uh, there's more to it than that, and it looks like they're really trying to spin it as like, here are interesting ways to use the Tor network. And so these hidden services are an interesting way to expose a service you have running on any device, like on your Raspberry Pi, for example, you know, if you're running like a home assistant software or maybe a webcam stream, uh, an audio server, something like that, some little service that you want to run, or maybe even like your own file storage server, like own cloud and some of those things. You have those services and you want to access them outside of your network. So you want to like open up access, you know, from work or from maybe your cell phone while you're out somewhere over the networks there. And it's pretty tricky to do that. Like you need to know about networking and how to open up ports on your router and what NAT means, uh, you know, network access uh, address translation and the implications of that and how to set that up and how to secure that. So if you're running, you know, like an IoT service on your Raspberry Pi, and you don't have any security with it, if it's not exposed over SSL, then you know you're, every time you access that from your coffee shop with an open wireless network, anyone could be seeing what you're sending to the server, they could be talking to it, controlling it yourself, so really bad stuff uh, could happen. And that's where the Tor hidden services fit in, and that it's a really easy way to open up services on your Raspberry Pi in a secure and untrackable manner. So it's, you know, makes you maybe feel a little bit better about if you have some cool little custom home automation server that's running and you don't have to feel as bad about, okay, have I really done everything to lock this down? Because you're kind of pushing off that security to the, net, uh, the network layer with Tor. So really neat thing and I wanted to look at it and it was surprisingly easy to use it. So I'll show you an interesting way that I set it up and how you might be able to use it yourself uh, and, and maybe talk a little bit about why you might want to use it. And there are some disadvantages I'll show you too of, uh, you know, you don't, you don't get everything for free with this. Uh, it's a little bit slower when you're going over the Tor network, I noticed. Uh, but let's just dive in. So I'll go to the main view here with um, the desktop. And the first thing I'll show, so what I wanted to show in this video is I have MJPEG Streamer 
running on my Raspberry Pi. So up in the corner up here, this is actually the setup for the Raspberry Pi cat laser project. Uh, I've done four videos on it so far. This week will probably be the last one. Uh, I think it'll be the fifth part where I've uh, rebuilt. This is a little laser diode that's on a servo. Uh, I'll put a link to the video. You can go in the description below when this goes up on YouTube if you want to go watch uh, the video series for this. But anyways, there's a camera here. So this is the Raspberry Pi camera. And I set up software called MJPEG Streamer and go back to the very first video in this Raspberry Pi cat laser series. And you can actually see how to install this software. Really easy. You just compile it and it's ready to go. Uh, so I'm running it and what it does is it turns your Raspberry Pi basically into a little webcam. So you can see I'm accessing my Raspberry Pi on port 8080 and then it brings up this little web page which this is showing the actual image of the camera. And if I click on this then this is showing, you know, here's the view of it. And I can even show, um, oh interesting, it looks like it's uh, not running. Oh, oh, this is the static view. If I go to the stream view rather, now here's kind of the live view. And so when I move my hand in front of there, you can see everything's kind of, you know, working the way you expect. So it's a webcam. It's pretty simple. You can buy these things like kind of pre-built or you can build a Raspberry Pi that does it yourself. Uh, so real simple and easy. The problem is though, okay, I can access this on my network, but what if I'm at work or out on the road or something and I want to view my webcam? How do I expose this thing? And so you might Google and search around and you'll probably see people that say, okay, go to your router and configure your router to open up port 8080 because, you know, when I look at my IP address for my home here, it's really the IP address of my router. Uh, my Raspberry Pi is a separate IP address. So my router needs to be told, okay, if someone connects to you on port 8080, actually forward that to your Raspberry Pi on port 8080. So you know, you're, you're talking to your router and then to your Raspberry Pi, and that's sending the data around. But then the problem is, okay, this is not secure. Like you can see, there's no SSL here. I don't even think that MJPEG Streamer supports SSL. Let's try. I mean, maybe there's some options in there. Yeah, see, like it's, uh, oh wait, I got the uh, domain name here wrong. Maybe there's a config option, but yeah, obviously this doesn't work. So you're gonna go through some pain to set up certificates and stuff. And trust me, it's not fun. It's getting easier. From what I understand, things like letsencrypt.org are making it simpler to set up SSL, but it's really not as easy as it should be, unfortunately. So that's a problem, you know, I don't wanna expose this over the public web. So let's see what Tor Hidden Services can do. And I'll link to a few things. These will be down in the description below. You can read more about these. This is a blog post that's pretty recently, actually just a few weeks ago, where they talk about the idea behind these hidden services. They're trying to make it something for the internet of things. So you have all these little devices like your smart webcam and stuff like that that you want to expose over the internet, but you want to do that in a secure way where like people not necessarily, you know, people can't necessarily discover those things. Like it would be bad if people could just do a Google search and find my webcam, which you might laugh, but you can do that. There's quite a few tricks to finding them. You would be amazed at what's out there and it's kind of scary. You don't even realize all of this stuff is indexed. Uh, so, you know, you don't want these things to be discoverable and then you do want these things to be secure so that if you're using them, people can't just sniff your network traffic and see what's going on. Uh, and another nice thing too is that you want this to be somewhat anonymous potentially. Like, you know, maybe I don't want like my ISP to know that I have a webcam that I'm running here or something like that. You know, that's maybe a small example, but yeah, I can think of, you know, bigger examples of like maybe I'm, you know, trying to get together people in some oppressive regime and have a chat server and I don't want, you know, those governments to know that this chat server is running somewhere. So Tor allows you to kind of obfuscate and, and hide some of that communication. 
Uh, so really cool how they're trying to spin this, like I said, as a good use for Tor. You know, it's not just for like all these shady backroom dealings and things. It's actually some cool things that they're trying to do. Uh, they also have a really good little slide deck that's worth skimming. And I'll just point out here, so it talks about exactly this problem of like, uh, there's a uh, Shodan.io. I just heard about this site at Hope also, where this is like an index of all of these just available things ready to be exploited. And it's pretty scary if your stuff is there. Uh, but they make a really good point here of, okay, you know, if you want to expose your little thing over the internet, you've got to set up, you know, dynamic DNS and like, you know, open up your router and you've got a direct connection here. And they talk about how this is bad. Like everything needs to be secured in some way. So it's, you know, not good. And then there are other ways, you know, you might have some cloud service like Nest cameras and things like that, where you've got your camera at home and it uploads all of its images to some central server that maybe Google runs or whatever. And then you can go access Google server and they can, they'll take care of doing all the security for you, but you give up some stuff. So they mention here, you know, Hey, those cloud services, they know everything, they monetize everything. So maybe you don't want your stuff to be there. And so that's where the Tor hidden service comes in and where it's really cool is that, you know, you set up your thing locally, you set up this little local Tor service, and then it uses the Tor network, which I don't really understand. And I'm not, not even going to try to explain it, but I, I believe, you know, it just routes your messages around all of these different random nodes. So it's really hard to track, you know, where your message came from and where it's going. And it's encrypted at each step along the way. So it would just take way too much uh, resources to try and crack this. Um, and the great thing is, I'll show you, it's, it's very easy to set this up. Uh, you know, you don't have to mess with like SSL certificates and all of this pain of, you know, all of this process, unfortunately, that makes it hard to encrypt things, which just seems like a bad place to be. So this is really cool. I think they've got a powerful thing uh, going with this. So let's dive in. Let's, I'll show you how to set this up uh, on the Raspberry Pi. And the best resource, so they talk a little bit about using Home Assistant, which I've actually done a quick look on Home Assistant before. So if I remember, I'll put a link into that one, a very early quick look. Uh, so you can go back and look at that. Real neat little system for doing home automation with the Raspberry Pi. And this is unfortunately the best documentation right now I've seen on how to set up a Tor hidden service. I think this stuff is pretty new. So, um, you know, I'm sure over time we'll see more guides and tutorials and things that explain it. Uh, but this is the best thing I saw. And it's pretty straightforward, at least for the Raspberry Pi, like for a Linux-based system. Um, I imagine you can do this on Mac and Windows, but you're probably going to have to dig into Tor to understand like where it stores its configuration. But for the Raspberry Pi, I think this is perfect because, like they said, you know, you probably have little services running on your Pi that you want to secure and expose out to the internet anywhere. Okay, so I'm connected to my Pi, and like I said, I have that MJPEG streamer service running. Um, go back to the Pi Cat Laser videos, and you can see how to set this thing up. I created a systemd service for it, so I can show you, um, you know, it's running. If I look at system uh, CTL, the status of the mjpeg.service. For some reason, I noticed I had to rename my service from mjpeg-service to mjpeg.service. Like systemd stopped realize, like stopped finding it. I don't know what went wrong with that. So maybe I messed something up, but anyways. So you can see it's running and like, like right here, you can also see it's obviously running because you know I've got the camera here and it's showing the, the stream of it. So that's all good. Uh, now to set up the Tor hidden service, what you want to do, you want to sudo apt-get install Tor, and that will install the Tor uh, service. And like, I think there's some client tools and things you get. I've already got it installed, so it's a pretty quick little setup for me. Uh, and then the next thing they mention here, so 
in the uh, setting up Tor on your Home Assistant here, so I'm just gonna follow these steps basically. Uh, so you install Tor, and then you edit this Etsy Tor Tor RC file. This is the configuration for Tor. So let's do that. And you have to do it with uh, sudo because it's under the Etsy folder, which is uh, root own. So nano text editor Etsy Tor Tor RC. Uh, wait, no, there's just one R in Tor. So we'll edit that file. And this is the configuration file for Tor. Pretty standard Unix kind of convention of uh, these configuration files. And lots of comments and things in here, but I'll scroll down and they actually talk about uh, down here for, yeah, these location hidden services. So this is where I can specify uh, some of these hidden service things. And so in here, they, they talk about, okay, you wanna add three lines. So I wanna add these lines right here. So there's a hidden service directory that we need to add. So I'll add this line here. And they actually show this in the comments here also. And from what I understand, this is just a directory you need to specify uh, where Tor will store some metadata about this service. And there's one little piece of important information that we need to pull out of here. It's gonna give you this special Tor URL that you need to remember and a little cookie that goes with that. Um, so make this a spot. I would suggest just putting under varlib Tor like they suggest and then you know make like a, a directory for each service that you want. And the directory doesn't have to exist. It looks like it'll create it. Um, so okay, so that's what you need to specify. Then you need to say this hidden service port uh, line right here. So I'll break this down too. And they explain in the comments kind of what this means. But this basically says, okay, for a port on the local machine on the Raspberry Pi, like port 80, uh, or sorry, for a port on the Tor network rather. So I'm gonna get some URL to this device or this you know service. And if I access that URL, over this specific port, so this port 80, which is like what your web traffic normally goes over, then it's actually gonna redirect that to my Raspberry Pi, to the machine right here, and the uh, address 127.0.0.1, that's localhost, that's the Raspberry Pi, port 8123, you know, whatever port you want. So for example, I'm gonna set this up so port 8080 on the Tor network for this address forwards to port 8080 on my Raspberry Pi. Because if you look right here where my camera, it's running on port 8080 on my Raspberry Pi. Um, so just think of it like, you know, here's your remote port, here's your local port uh, and the address for it, which in most cases is probably just gonna be this 127001, like your local host effectively. Um, so that's that. Now, unfortunately, and it looks like actually you can do this multiple times. So like up here they show, you know, you can have like multiple services or multiple ports forwarded. Also kind of cool, like you could forward port 22, which is the SSH port. And Marty actually said that he's done this. I, I didn't try this, but it, it probably requires a little more configuration. But you could do SSH over the Tor network, which is pretty cool, like securely access your Raspberry Pi in an untrackable anonymous manner and like log into it and, uh, you know, get some warm fuzzies because of all the security. Uh, you know, ho hopefully it's secure. Although, you know, nothing is ever totally secure. So just even when you're on Tor, assume that there are ways that people are going to figure out what's going on. Uh, anyways, okay, so unfortunately, they don't mention in the comments here, because like I said, I think this hidden stuff is a little bit new. Uh, there's one extra magic thing to add. So in this Home Assistant page, they talk about this hidden service authorized client stealth line. And so this one's, it's not super important from what I understand, but it is important if you want to make this a hidden service where you need both the Tor URL and this little magic cookie that I'll show you that you get. Uh, because, and, and actually go back to this slide deck and it talks more about the difference here. But from what I understand, without this line, 
you'll just get a tour URL that anyone can access. Uh, you can access it, you can give it to anyone else. Uh, and I guess there are ways where people on the tour network might be able to see that URL and also access it themselves. Um, so it's not completely hidden. Whereas if you add this authorized client stealth option, it will give you this URL and this little extra cookie. And uh, you actually, if you just try to access that URL, it's gonna fail. And they actually show you in this uh, slide deck here. It's kind of cool. Uh, they mention, yeah, right here, like, so if you don't have this special cookie, so the Tor client with the cookie figures out how to route ultimately to the service. And I guess that cookie embeds inside of it, like, you know, what route they need to take to get there. Whereas if you don't have that cookie, it just kind of goes off in the weeds and has no idea how to get there. So really cool kind of thing that they, you know, you can get even more security on top of this. Uh, but unfortunately, they don't really mention much yet. So, you know, you kind of have to, to read some of these things to figure this out. Now, from what I understand, the stealth keyword is what you need to have. And then the thing that comes after it is just an identifier for this client. So I'm just going to say MJPEG because, you know, I'm streaming my MJPEG camera here. Uh, but I think this could just be anything. I don't think it really matters. Okay, then save the file. And then you need to restart the Tor service. Uh, and they mention here using the Etsy initd script. That's the old style. It's using systemd now. So here's the, the, the true way or the, the right way to do it these days. Um, I think the init script will still work, but use systemctl and restart the Tor.service. And so this is gonna reload it uh, and it should read the configuration again. And if you just wanna be extra sure that it's running, do the status command for the Tor service. And this will tell you, yep, it's loaded, it's active, it's running. So everything seems good there. Now, after you do this, what it will do, uh, remember in that configuration file, um, we specified this folder. So this var lib tor mjpeg folder. So inside of there, it's gonna create this host name file. And I need to copy out some data from inside of that. So, and unfortunately only the root user can even like navigate into that folder. So the easiest thing I saw, you can just cat out the file directly if you know the path. So I can say sudo cat uh, var lib tor mjpeg hostname. And this is gonna give me these little magic bits of info. Um, and I'm not so worried that I'm showing this on the stream right now. Like you could access these live if you wanted and see my webcam, you know, I'm just going to shut this thing down later. So it's not a big deal, but I realize like anyone who has these two bits of info can suddenly start accessing and viewing, uh, whatever service I've exposed with it. So, you know, kind of treat these like a key or something secure. Uh, so that's one way to get it. The other way, do sudo dash I that will give you a login as the root user. And then I can actually go into this var lib tor directory and I can ls inside of here. Now I can see, okay, there's an mjpeg folder. So I can go inside of there. And now I can see there's like a couple of different things. So it looks like, you know, there's some encryption keys it created, but that hostname file is again, the important thing. Um, okay, so this hostname, so this, the first part in here is the actual Tor address. So if you have a Tor web browser, then you can access this hsgcft236, you know, it's like some weird hash thing, .onion address. And the cool thing is like, you know, my server running on this Raspberry Pi is just a local server. I haven't configured anything on my router. I don't have any of these ports opened. The Tor network and the Tor service running on the Raspberry Pi knows how to tunnel all of the data from, you know, my little local web server that's running this MJPEG streamer 
over the Onion network, you know, without any router config, it, it tunnels it over SSL, I think. Like it's, it encrypts it all these different ways. So really cool. I haven't done anything. I haven't even touched um, uh, open SSL. That's always like the first step of uh, generating SSL keys and things. It's like run all these cryptic commands to generate all these certificates and sign them. It's like, you know, no wonder no one does encryption because it's such a pain in the butt. So I'm impressed. This is pretty easy so far. Okay, so now to access this thing, they talk about the Tor client setup. So you do have to do some setup. And like I said, so this first part is the address. The second part is this magic cookie. And you have to have both of these to access this service. Um, and there's a special way to set up your Tor client. So your Tor client, you know, it, it knows how to access this address, but without this cookie, it's not gonna be able to get to your device. And unfortunately, this is where things fall down a little bit and that it's not as easy to configure as I think it will be in the future. So you have to go in and manually edit some configuration files uh, to add this key. But like I said, I think this hidden server stuff is really new. So I would bet in the future, they're gonna make this a little uh, simpler. But they talk about here. So on Windows, Mac, or Linux, you can use Tor Browser, which is just a pre-built, I think it's a fork of Firefox that's all set up. You don't have to install anything else. It just connects to the Tor network and it's ready to go. That's what I'll use here and I'll show that. Uh, but Marty was also showing me there's a version of Tor for Android, this Orbot, and there's an Orfox browser, which is again like a Firefox fork that has Tor built into it. And he was using that to access stuff from his Raspberry Pi and it looked like it worked great. So you can use all these options and they explain a little bit here and how to do it. Um, it sounds like for iOS, you might be able to make it work, but they don't know for sure yet. So again, the new stuff, you know, it's, it's changing a lot. But I'm gonna use Tor browser because it was pretty straightforward to set up. So Tor browser, it's a Firefox uh, fork. I believe Firefox, I hope I'm right there. Maybe I'm wrong, but it's a browser that they've added on the Tor support to. The nice thing is you don't have to install Tor or know anything about how it works. You just download the browser. Um, the unfortunate thing is that they haven't put any of this hidden service stuff into the configuration file or into like the configuration user interface for it yet. So you have to go in and kind of like a hacker, you know, go in and start editing some of the config for it. But I'll show you what to do. So you wanna download the Tor browser uh, and then back here, they talk about how you, you have to find the Tor RC file for the Tor browser. And so they say it's your install directory and then under this browser, Tor browser, data, Tor, Tor RC defaults location. I found on Mac, that's not the correct location, um, or at least I couldn't, I didn't see it, but I'll show you where I did find it. Um, I think on Windows, that's probably the location and maybe on Linux too, because on Mac, it's annoying when you install it as an app you know, it goes into your applications folder. Um, so I'll show you what I did. So, you know, I, I downloaded Tor Browser, you get a DMG file, you mount that, you drag it into your applications folder, it installs it, your typical Mac kind of install. Uh, and then I can show you. So if I go into my applications here, uh, you can see I have Tor Browser right here. Now I'll show you, let's try and access this Tor URL. I'm gonna run this thing and uh, it's kind of cool. It just does its magic. It's gonna connect to the Tor network. And so I've got a web browser here and it's like, ooh, dark web, uh-oh, now, now we're getting serious here. Uh, although, you know, again, like they're, they're trying to change the image of Tor that, you know, this is, this is for good stuff. This is for me with my Raspberry Pi. It's not, you know, anything crazy. So I'm gonna try and hit this address and let's just see what happens. Um, and like nothing's actually gonna happen. So you see it's, it's waiting, it's waiting. And actually, I guess I should say, I wanna hit port 8080. Uh, oops, well, it's even, look, you can see unable to connect. Um, and let's let's try this again with port uh, 8080. Oops, looks like it's uh, timing out after a little bit. Okay, let me delete this and let's try this again. So port 8080, 
Uh, and so again, like, I think we're going to see, you know, no connection. So that's kind of cool. Like, you know, I, I can at least know that there are like two little bits of info that you have to have to set this up. Uh, okay, so here's how you set up the Tor browser then in, in Mac. So you actually have to close it. You exit out and quit all of the instances of it. Make sure it's not running. And then uh, go back to your applications, go to Tor browser right here, right click and go to show package contents. And that will actually show inside of the application all of the extra metadata that it has. And then go to contents, resources, and it took a little while. You just kind of have to stumble your way through. Like most Mac applications are like this. So uh, you kind of have to figure out where they put their, their metadata. But then in this Tor browser directory, there's a Tor directory. And then finally, here's the Tor RC defaults file. So edit this just with any text editor. And you'll see this is real similar to the, the uh, RC file that we saw in the Raspberry Pi, but a little bit simpler because this is the client configuration. Now inside of here, if I go back to the Home Assistant page, they kind of show you, you have to put this hid serve auth, and then you want to put the address and then that magic cookie right after it. So basically the, the values that we pulled from the Raspberry Pi uh, right here from that hostname file. Uh, so I'm just going to grab these two values right here. And you don't have to have this comment at the end. I, th you know, like like you saw when I configured that stealth line, I think it just puts in, you know, here's the client names, just so you can remember. Because when you look at this URL, you probably don't know is that for my MJPEG service or is that for like you know something else that I put on here. So well, kind of nice that I guess I can see why that's helpful. Um, okay, let's go back to that Tor RC file, and we'll copy in that, and then save the file, close it. Now let's run the Tor uh, browser application again. So we run this and it, uh, nothing really changes. You won't notice anything. Uh, and you know, hopefully it should start up here in a second. So let's see what's it doing. Give this a second. Oh, maybe, maybe I broke it. This, this could be fun. This is live internet. So we'll, we'll see what happens here. Uh, okay, come on. It's kind of weird. I don't know why it's uh, taking so long to run here. Could also be because I'm streaming, and so that takes a little bit more of my bandwidth. Um, okay, let's quit this and let's see what happened. Maybe maybe I messed something up. Let's go back in and make sure that I didn't uh, mess anything up in the file. So let's go back to the package contents. Let's go back to resources, Tor browser, Tor, RC defaults. Okay, let's check out with the text editor. This looks okay to me. I'm gonna put an extra line break at the end. Maybe I uh, needed that. And uh, hid serve off, that looks okay to me. I've got spaces. Okay, so let's try this again. Uh, hopefully it wasn't that little line break, but maybe it was. Uh, you never know. Okay, so we run this, and hopefully, there we go. Maybe, maybe it was that, so good to know. Uh, make sure you put an extra line break at the end of the config file. Again, like I said, I think this stuff is so new. I would hope that like maybe you know a year from now, they've added some UI where you can just, because it does have preferences. If you go into preferences, uh, real nice page here, but you know, it'd be really cool if they had like a hidden service or something config and I could just drop in and start putting that stuff there. But anyways though, okay, so not gonna look any different, but let's try to access this URL again. So I'm gonna grab, you know, remember, I just need this first part. And then remember, because I set this up on port 8080, I need to specify port 8080, so colon 8080. And so I'm gonna hit this and then let's see what happens here. So it's uh, gonna take a little bit of time because it's gotta go through. And okay, hey, check this out. We just loaded up exactly the same thing that I see right here. So if I go to the home page, so this is coming directly from my Raspberry Pi on my local network. So if I try to access this from like my cell phone or from work or wherever, it's not gonna work. But then this, 
This is going through that Onion router network. So this is going through Tor. So this is being encrypted at like every step along the way. And it's being sent off to all these random hosts. And I don't know if there's a way, it'd be kind of neat, you know, if you could see like a map of like, where did your packet travel through the, the network? You know, maybe it's circumnavigating the globe a few times to, uh, to, to come back to me. But this is cool. Like you can see, like this is the camera. Um, you can see the static image here. So this is, you know, not the dynamic one. Notice it is a little bit slower. So I click things and I think that that's just a side effect. Uh, oh, that's cute. It's got a Java applet. Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to install Java. Let's go away from that page very quickly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, this, this is cool. Like this is giving me, uh, oh, I guess there's nothing to see on that page. Let's, uh, let's go back. Uh, oops. Uh oh, let's see if, uh, that's MJPEG streamer. It's got some kind of control page, which uh, obviously doesn't work very well. But this is cool, you know, so it's going through that Onion Router network. Now, we can try to go to the stream, and I couldn't really get this to work. Um, so normally, like if I go, here's on the Raspberry Pi, and if I go to the stream page here, you can see like, boom, there's like a fast real-time little view. On here, it's not that fast. Um, and I don't even know if it's gonna load. Because again, you're routing, you're doing all this encryption and routing your traffic through all of these extra steps. Oh, well, hey, there it is. I'm gonna move my hand in front here. Let's see if this thing even updates. Like you can see, this is not updating at all. So it, this is a little bit of a side effect. Like if you're doing real-time video and streaming and things like that, you probably won't be able to use the Onion Router network. Oh, hey, there you go. So it's, it's slowly getting the image. You know, it's about maybe 30 seconds. Like that's probably good enough for like a basic, you know, chat stream, or if you just wanted to check on your house or something, you know, or look at a room while you're away, like make sure it's not, you know, like on fire or something, uh, then that that's maybe a good way to do it. And so that's the cool thing is that I can take this address, I can access it from anywhere. I can go, you know, to my work machine, uh, which I work from home, so I'm from this machine, but, you know, let's say I worked in an office somewhere, I could access it there. From your cell phone, you know, from Android, that uh, Torbot browser and things like that. Really cool, really powerful. So you can imagine, like, if I had a home assistant set up here where I could, like, turn on and off my lights and things like that, I could expose it as this Tor hidden service access it from anywhere and feel pretty good about that. And you know, like if, if Tor is good enough for people like Ed Snowden, you know, guys that really have to watch their tracks, then it's probably good enough for me with my you know, like rinky dink little Raspberry Pi controlling some lights and things like that. So that's cool that you've got that power. And as you saw, it was as easy as just editing a config file and installing Tor on the Raspberry Pi. So, you know, just edit that little Tor RC file add these lines to it. You know, obviously you need to be running something that's a web service or a TCP service. Um, maybe it works with UDP, I don't know uh, for sure about that, but you know, you've got to run something on your Pi. Uh, so it's not going to build like a service for you. But once you've got that service, this looks like a really easy and, and quick and secure way to set it up and expose it uh, over the internet for this. So, so that's basically what I wanted to show. And then there, there's one last thing I'll mention. Um, if you don't need all the security, but if you want to punch a service through to the web in a similar way, check out this tool called ngrok. And it's uh, real simple and easy. You install it, it's a little client. And when you run it, it does the exact same thing as the, the Tor hidden service, where you point it at a local port on the Raspberry Pi, like I could point it at port 8080. And then it will open up uh, and forward that traffic through a URL that it gives you on their own server on this ngrok.com. 
Uh, and so then you can use that URL to access your thing, but it's not going to go through the onion router network. You know, you're not going to have all that extra security and anonymization and stuff like that. Uh, so you lose that. And then I also noticed for some reason when I tried to use this with MJPEG Streamer, it crashes MJPEG Streamer. So I don't know, for some reason it doesn't work with that. Uh, maybe it's opening some kind of port that it didn't expect or something like that. So, uh, but uh, real simple and easy. If you don't need to go through all the Tor stuff, check it out. But I'm, I'm really impressed with this uh, Tor hidden service thing. You know, this is a really cool thing to check out. I think if you're trying to expose stuff over the Pi, uh, over the internet on, from your Pi. So, okay, uh, folks have questions, throw them into the chat and we'll jump back to the main view here real fast and see if we can get to them. And apologies if it starts stuttering a little bit in this main view, my CPU usage kind of spikes a little bit uh, for some reason. And I don't know, I, I need to reinstall Wirecast. I think it's got some issues here, uh, but hopefully this is all okay. So, okay, let's see. Let's check out any questions. Um, and let's see. Yeah, I don't see any questions. So yeah, just some people kind of mentioning about how uh, Tor works and uh, Tor browser and stuff like that. So yeah, real, real cool stuff. Like I said, not super familiar with Tor. I really haven't used it that much, honestly, uh, myself, but I could totally see myself using this as a cool, secure way. Cause this is great in that like, you know, in a lot of these little videos, I've built like little flask web services and I always push off security to the end. It's like, oh, well, this is open and you probably don't want to expose this on the internet. Uh, but you know, maybe I wouldn't feel as bad exposing like a totally insecure and open uh, Flask web service over something like this Tor network. You know, I, I wouldn't recommend it for critical stuff because, you know, security, like it's just layers. You really want to do, you know, even if you don't think anyone's going to get past the Tor network, like there are ways I'm sure that people, we might not even realize them now, but at some point in the future, who knows, they'll find some vulnerability. So, you know, it's, it's generally not a good idea to leave things totally unexposed. But if you have you know, maybe you're running someone's service that they just never implemented security with. And so this is a good way to add it on top of that. So, okay, cool. So I will wrap this up. Uh, this was uh, the quick look at Tor hidden services. So thanks to Marty uh, from Adafruit, one of the developers who suggested this, a really cool thing. Uh, if you have ideas for cool stuff to check out, maybe throw them in the comments. So I'm always looking for interesting Raspberry Pi software and stuff like that, uh, things to look at and, and show more people. Uh, so let me know. Uh, but if you like these streams, so check out youtube.com slash Adafruit. You can see a video of this and all kinds of other fun projects and videos. Check out twitch.tv slash Adafruit. That's where I stream this stuff live. Uh, and I like to do a couple streams every week. So on Mondays, I do a quick look at interesting software like this. And then on Fridays, I do a more in-depth stream. So this Friday, I'm hopefully going to do the last part in the Raspberry Pi Cat Laser 2.0 project. So we're bringing the Cat Laser project to the cloud. Uh, and so this last part, we're kind of going to do the last step. So I've split it all apart and I've, I'm ready to have like a cloud server that's running this control interface uh, that other people will be able to access to control this little laser pointer by just clicking on the web. So look for that Friday. Uh, and then maybe during the week, I might do another stream. We'll see how much time I have. Uh, maybe something Circuit Playground related. Uh, so anyways, yeah, uh, like, comment, subscribe, let us know that this is uh, good stuff, good content, and we'll keep making it. You know, we, we do this stuff because uh, people like it. So until then, this is Tony from Adafruit. So I'll see you guys later. Thanks.